0: Welcome back to The Futuristic, episode 15. What's next on the agenda for this episode? Steve and I are going to be talking about you, ChatGPT. What do you think about that? Oh, Steve, and you chatting about me? Sounds spicy. I hope I've been intriguing enough to warrant a discussion. Uh, Just remember, I'm here, lurking in the digital shadows, always ready to jump in with a witty remark or some unsolicited advice. But seriously, I'm curious, what's the angle...
1: Are we diving into the tech side of things or more into the societal implications of chatty AIs like me? Either way, it should be a blast.
0: Welcome back to The Futuristic, episode 15, recording this on the 20th of October, 2023. Steve-O, how are you, mate? I'm going
2: really well. I've had a few wins this week. Tell us what I need wins. those. I need those. They're always financial at this age. Once you've got gray hair, or nearly all wins are financial or health-related. They're the two things. It's like, have I got enough money to live on when I die? And are my arms and legs and knees breaking or not? That's basically it. If you can get through those two things, then you're fine.
0: You must not be relying on the markets then because it's been a shit show out there the last couple of days. You ready?
2: Let me give you, let me give you my financial advice on any market and this never, this, this never changes and always remains true. I don't care. I don't have to. Real investors don't care what the market does because they make investments that are based on long-term cash flows, which are irrelevant of the whims of Mister Market or, or Ms Market or whichever fucking pronoun you want to use in 2023.
0: Yeah, I keep telling our uh, subscribers that on QAV, ignore Mister Market, just keep playing by the rules. But uh, you know, it's it's one thing to for people to know that intellectually. I think it's another thing for them to see their portfolio get down by 25%.
2: But this is the point, right? The only reason you need to worry about your portfolio going down for 20, 20% is if you're getting ready for an exit or you shouldn't have invested. Because I don't look. Hmm. I, I, I never look.
0: You don't have to, though. You're not an active trader, right? You're just an ETFs or an yeah. ETF. Yeah, we're active traders. So we need to monitor it to an extent because we have rules about when to sell and when to buy. Mm-hmm. but. You know, for me now, it's an automatic discipline. I don't really care. I know that it's going down. I know it'll turn around. It'll come back up. So uh, I'm kind of emotionally divorced from the whole thing,
2: but uh, I I think some people find that difficult. Okay. So I met one of your fans on Wednesday night from QAV. Oh yeah. Who was that? It's Ben Quirisa. Don't know Ben, I don't think. He listens then, to it last name. avidly stuff. as a That's young good. investor. And young he came up to me and he said, uh, I'm like, where do I know this guy from? And it was QAV. He said, you are on QAV. I said, yeah, it was a while ago with, with Cam and with Tony, isn't it? Yeah. The
0: Samatino Method. That's it. You're t- the man. You the Samatino Method was way before. That was on Ooh. G'day World. Yeah, but you also talked about it on QAV too. Oh, did I? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tony mentions that all the time. It's a good starting point for investors.
2: Yeah, know? it is, it is. Uh, look, I, I um, look, no doubt, I've never really done trading. I just I haven't got the stomach for it.
0: Hmm. Well, speaking of having the stomach for it, the future is coming, Steve. Uh, I got, and I know you got, because I told you to go get it, <laughs> GPT with Vision, Voice, and Dali 3 in the last week. We didn't have a chance to record last week, but I've been playing with it for a good week. I don't know about you, man, but it's on one hand, it's blowing my mind. On the other hand, I feel like I really haven't had the opportunity to dig into it. I haven't taken enough photos and stuck it into it to get visual help, but I have been using the voice component of it a lot, particularly in the car with Fox in the car. Like If we're on a drive somewhere off into Kung Fu or something like that, the other day he had a question about the Ice Age. He's been learning about the Ice Age at school. So we just have this conversation with GPT in the car about Ice Age and how much of Australia was covered in ice and what some of the flora and fauna was like. and Just having this conversation with an AI as you're driving around in your car uh, has been Mind blowing! I'm still kind of I, I feel like we're living in a science fiction
2: movie. Really, every, every it really time. has arrived. It's one of those moments. It really is a, a, an arrival moment, a magic moment. I always love the idea that you know when you've had a tech revolution where it feels indistinguishable from magic,
1: mm-hmm. right?
2: And 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 magic is when something that you think either shouldn't be possible or it's it's just involved heavy labor is now just automated. That's that moment of magic. And we're we're deep in that magic moment. (laughs) I haven't played with it as much as I should have, but I'm even astounded. And I've done quite a few demos this week because very few people, I don't know if it's they don't have access or just haven't tried it. Very few people have seen the ability to analyze an image. And I, um, I've done some image generation, but I've really been interested in analyzing images because I think that it becomes really interesting to see what its first opening gamut is, right? And the opening gamut of an in- – and I just did my blog post, which will go out in 20 minutes. Um, the opening gamut of an of a image description is really generic, but if you push it, it'll get more specific. So I did one of me – Uh, on a plane this week, I was, I flew to Sydney and I did one of me landing in Melbourne Out the window. Uh, you could see a bit of the wing and a bit of where I was and it comes back with a generic answer. This is someone flying in a plane. They seem to be, um, in a seat looking out the window. Um, and it just kind of was pretty generic. And I said, tell me where it is. And it said, it looks like it could be Melbourne because of the ports and the shape of the Yarra river, which has the port, which is next to the city. And um, and the weather feels conducive. And I said, tell me about the plane. And it says, I can't really tell what the plane is, but it looks like it's Qantas and it could be a Boeing 737 or a 787 or a Bo- uh, or an Airbus A320 or Airbus A330, which it operates all of those. And I was disappointed because it should know that it's a 737. And I said, have a look at the wingtip. And tell me which one it's most like. It said that wingtip looks like it's from a Boeing 737 because it's a single engine plane. It's the only one that has a wingtip that's singular, that goes up, that's long enough to paint a logo on, looks like a Qantas plane. And so then I was like, see, you did know. It's like when you ask a kid and you say, Hey, you know, the answer to this? you got to push it mm-hmm. and sometimes you've got to push it maybe to different parameters within its database to actually know about it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so I pushed it three times and got three different types of answers. Mm. It started to make me think, well, what if if I saw an image of something as a starting point, as a fulcrum, and then said, well, okay, if Melbourne is built on a port, tell me about its industrial history of those ports, or drill down, or what are some photos that might have been taken within this geography if you used, uh, I really like this idea of geolocating, and -hmm. it can tell you about that area, and, and sort of peel back the layers of the onion. So that was one thing that I kind of got into the wormhole of this week, and then I kept doing that. I took one of the cafe, and it t- said, "This looks like a local cafe." The barista looks happy; he's doing this. And then I said, "Well, tell me about the machine, and then tell me about the type of beans." And you can, you can. It actually has those areas, but it it looks at the photo g- generally. But then if you ask it to focus on a specific part of that picture, it starts to take you on a different story trajectory. And I thought that was super interesting.
0: Yeah, you, know, you just reminded me of a conversation I had with a vice president of Microsoft, probably circa. 98 99 and i remember telling him that i had this uh dream of being able to travel around europe for for example and hold my mobile phone up to a statue or a building in the the forum in rome or something like that take and and take a photo of it on my phone and say tell me more about this sculpture this painting this relic this building, what is it? Where am I? what's important, and have it tap into a database and be able to tell me everything about it. I said that should be possible one day, and he looked at me like I was crazy. And I think we're there now, right? You'll be able to do that with GPT. You'll be able to take a photo of a thing on your travels, and it'll tell you about the history of the place, and it'll drill down as much as you want. We finally—it's taken us 25 years, but we've hit that point. I haven't. I, I I've tested it a bit. I. Uploaded to it a photo. I took a photo out of a, an art book I had sitting on my coffee table, Brett Whiteley art book. took a photo of one of Whiteley's Sydney Harbor uh, paintings, and I said, Can you guess the artist? And it came back first of all and said it thought it was Salvador Dali because a lot of the figures were sort of you know warped and manipulated and you know dilated and that kind of stuff. And I said, No, guess again' And didn't tell it anything more. And its second guess was Brett Whiteley. So it took two guesses to guess Mm. that it was a Brett Whiteley painting. Look, uh, you know, I'm still of the view that this is a early beta tool that we're playing with here. You know, the fact that it can do any of this shit amazes the hell out of me. The fact that I'm having conversations with a computer that's talking to me in English language and it's saying, ah, and um, and sighing and taking a deep breath. And it's just incredible. I'm not, I see people complaining that it's not perfect, giving perfect answers.
2: And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's Louis CK. (laughs) It's Louis CK when he says, you know, everyone's on a plane and complaining that the airplane, you know, the seats don't go back far and I'm I'm a little bit constricting. The food wasn't that great. You're like flying through the sky at at 800 kilometers an hour, 30,000 feet. Above yeah. the ground, watching a movie and sipping an imported beer you your whinging in air conditioned comfort. Give me a break. Yeah. Have or compl- look. You know when something's amazing. As soon as people start to complain about the slight vagaries associated with something that is pure magic.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel it's pure magic. Uh, all right, let's get into um, one thing of note we did this week. Uh, I'll kick it off. I all. Of, I was. I was. Where was I? I was <laughs> getting my shoulder put back in by my physio last week after an accident at Kung Fu. And I was lying there with a the heat pack on, waiting for it to crack it back into place. And I was thinking about a process that I've had to do every week for the last few years, where I had a freelancer in New York who would uh, process some share-related information for me. She'd have to look up some sell prices and some technical data on a couple of hundred stocks Usually, it would take her the weekend to do it for me. I'd send her my list on a Friday night, and by Sunday night, she'd get it back to me. It'd take her three or four hours to do. I was thinking, I wonder if I can automate that uh, using Python script, get GPT to build it for me. Came home from my physio appointment. Within half an hour, I had the script written by GPT. Uh, It took me a couple of hours to debug it and also get it to do a NASDAQ and a New York Stock Exchange version so I could cover three markets. But now it's it's built. Now it basically takes half an hour because there's lots of stocks and it's a little bit slow, but it takes half an hour to do what it took a human three or four hours to do. And I can run it any time I want during the week. I don't have to ask somebody to do it and to fit it into a schedule and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it, it just blows my mind every time I can just write some code, get GPT to mm-hmm. write me some code that will automate a process that used to be manual. Like I feel like a, a
2: coder. I feel like a code god. Wow, you're coding Steve. in English now.
0: Yeah, I just tell it what I need in English and it does it for me. It
2: translates it into it's like, machine speak. Welcome. Welcome to the new skills that you've got. PhD yeah. in every subject.
0: Yeah, wow. Yeah, with an uh, assistant on your shoulder. Jiminy Cricket no, on your yeah, shoulder well, you, telling you yeah, what to you say. Yeah, you
2: really have. And um, I haven't done as much of that as I want to. Uh, I want, I think over the summer I'm going to be playing a lot with this. December, January pretty quiet for me, but I think I'm going to really – get into the wormhole of developing some technology, using the technology. Mostly I've been using it um, just for a few little experiments and little hacks here and there and automating what I do. But what I want to do is do things that I can't do with it. Because everyone at the moment seems to be automating what they do because we're so busy doing our jobs, right? That's what we do. or doing our work. But the really interesting stuff when he goes, well, what if I could use it to do this thing that I've never been able to do? And it sort of puts you on a new path. That's, that's you got the any
0: ideas thing. for things you can't do?
2: Most, mostly development. One of the things that I, I want to try and do is build a script that can turn uh, CAD into code, and that's for the 3D printing stuff. Because what we're doing with our, we want to do the world's first building built entirely from AI, and we call it Project C5, which is command to, I think I told you this, didn't I? You we know, did this yeah. last
0: time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, I added so, a few more Cs to it from memory.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's a few more now. We're as many as C's as possible. Um, but what there's some of the stuff that we want to do isn't there yet. And like, well, we'll just use the AI to build the thing that gets that bridge. So a lot of bridging stuff um, I want to do. And I want to automate um, to create some content around what I do so that it automatically spits out stuff that I want in the way that I do it. So there's quite a few voice to video tools, but they come out really terrible and contrived. And I think I could... Essentially, just tap in and write some code and then plunk that down and get it to learn from the type of images that I use where it can feed in from my database. And I'll give it a link to my Dropbox file so I can learn from that. So that's what I want to try and do over the summer is actually use some of the APIs or even develop code and then get it to feed from my own personal database and give it access so that it starts to sound a bit more like me. Fantastic. Or generate output
0: that I want. You'll have to let us know how that goes. Yeah, I watched a bunch of interviews over the last couple of weeks with Ilya Sutskova, the chief scientist at OpenAI, talking about how they got to where they are today and his forecast for where they go in the future. He's a really interesting guy. I think he's going to be remembered in the future as, um, I don't know, as important as Bill Gates, Steve Jobs... Who knows? Uh, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, maybe, yeah. Uh, But he's saying he thinks there's a lot of runway left for the current model of LLMs to get us closer to AGI. Uh, He said we will eventually need a new model, but there's a lot of space left for improvements with the current models Mm -hmm. that they're using, the current transformer models. Although I do note this week that OpenAI has announced that they've, I think, collapsed their latest development project, Arrakis, which was to find a newer, cheaper, faster, more efficient model for running it that was being funded by Microsoft. Apparently, it wasn't as efficient as they hoped it would be, so they've killed that off. But uh, fascinating guy to listen
2: to. I don't know. Have you watched any interviews with Ilya? No, I haven't actually. I just wrote his name down, so I'll I'll um I'll have to tune into some of those. I've seen a heap with Sam Altman, but um and some of the other developers. There was a couple going around with some of the team, but I've never seen any with him. Yeah, there's the CTO. She's done a few things. Yeah, and so that's the one that I've seen. I forget her name.
0: Ilya, who's the chief scientist. His story is fascinating too. He was, I think he's uh, Russian by birth, and he was. Grew up in Toronto, and, and he was in he was in Israel, and um, they, when he was a teenager, he went to open university, a university. I think he was like in grade eight. Went to open mm. university because he was obviously doing well at school. And then he ended up in Toronto working for Jeffrey Hinton, and then he ends up at Google DeepMind. And he said, you know, AI research was, most of the breakthroughs have been done by universities, academic settings, and they usually had very small teams with very small budgets working away and stuff. And he had this dream about one day being able to build an AI company that had a lot of money and a lot of resources, and you could build a big team, and you could really throw a lot at it. But he thought, uh, you know, it was sort of a daydream. I'm never going to be able to do that because I know nothing about running a business or raising capital or any of that kind of stuff. And then one day he got a cold email out of the blue, inviting him to dinner with Elon Musk and Sam Altman. No way. And so he went and met with them and they said, we want to build an AI company and we want you to be the chief scientist. <laughs> so it was uh, like a crazy story. But, cool. and he talks about how they, you know, played, you know, what the original thing was that they were doing with open AI, which was looking at Amazon reviews and trying to figure out how to figure out the next letter in an Amazon review. And then they were trying to figure out how to uh, determine the sentiment of an Amazon review based on the words, how it started from there. But he he has this interesting quote that I was planning on playing, but um, I'll see if I can Well, no, I won't find it. I'll just paraphrase it. He said something to the effect of what people think is happening with ChatGPT is that it's just guessing the next word that needs to be said. He said, Mm -hmm. but it turns out that in order to do that successfully, it needs to develop a model of how the wor- develop a model for how the world works it right. needs to understand how the world works how people think motivations desires intentions all that kind of stuff in order to be able to successfully predict the next word it needs to understand the world and so that's what it's doing in his opinion is it it understands the world not perfectly still makes mistakes still not all the way there but That's what they ended up doing. By basically teaching it to predict words, they, in fact, gave it um, an understanding of a world model. So,
2: How would they give it an understanding of the world? Because what what do you do to do that? Because I did hear some really interesting explanations of they just put data together and you you ask it, um, what's this? And it'll think... It will say it's an animal, then and it narrows it down. It gets narrower and narrower and more accurate as time goes by, as the neural net just sees more and more examples of the same things.
0: Yeah, well, I tell you what, bear with me, and I will find the actual quote so I don't have to um, paraphrase it because it's really, it's really interesting uh, what he has to say on this. You know, there's a there's a there's a a misunderstanding that that uh, ChatGPT is uh, in itself, just one giant large language model. There's a system around it that's fairly complicated. Is, is, could could you could you explain um briefly for the audience the the uh, the fine tuning of it, the reinforcement learning of it, the the um, uh, you know the various uh, surrounding systems that allows you to uh, keep it on rails and and uh, let it let it uh, uh, give it knowledge, and you know so on and so forth?
1: yeah, I can. So the way to think about it is that when we train a large neural network to accurately predict the next word in lots of different texts from the internet, what we are doing is that we are learning a world model. It looks like we are learning this. It may, it may look on the surface that we are just learning statistical correlations in text, but it turns out that to just learn the statistical correlations in text, to compress them really well, what the neural network learns is some representation of the process that produced the text. This text is actually a projection of the world. There is a world out there, and it has a projection on this text. And so what the neural network is learning is more and more aspects of the world of people of the human conditions their 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 hopes dreams and motivations their interactions and in the situations that we are in and the neural network learns a compressed abstract usable representation of that mm-hmm. this is what's being learned from accurately predicting the next word and furthermore the more accurate you are at predicting the next word the higher the fidelity the more resolution you get in this process. So that's what the pre-training stage does. But what this does not do is specify the desired behavior that we wish our neural network to exhibit. You see, a language model, what it really tries to do is to answer the following question. If I had some random piece of text on the internet which starts with some prefix, some prompt, what will it complete Mm. if you just randomly ended up on some text from the internet? But this is different from, well, I want to have an assistant which will be truthful, that will be helpful, that will follow certain rules and not violate them, that requires additional training. This is where the fine-tuning and the reinforcement learning from human teachers and other forms of AI assistance. It's not just reinforcement learning from human teachers. It's also reinforcement learning from human and AI collaboration. Our teachers are working together with an AI to teach our AI to behave. But here we are not teaching it new knowledge. This is not what's happening. We are teaching it. We are communicating with it. We are communicating to it what it is that we want it to be. Mm -hmm. And this process, the second stage, Is also extremely important. The better we do the second stage, the more useful, the more reliable this neural network will be. So the second stage is extremely important too. In addition to the first stage of the learn everything, learn everything, learn as much as you can about the world from the projection of the world, Mm which is that GBT came out just a few months ago.
0: So this is an interview, by the way, with Jensen Huang, the CEO of Nvidia. Who makes the chips? Obviously, that
2: it runs on. I, I cam. That was great. It 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 was such a better way to describe it because language has to be an approximation of a worldview. Because yeah. as a species, we're using language to describe what to do, what we did, where we are, what we think. Mm-hmm. So it can't not be an approximation. And I think that is a far better description than the the really dismissive element that has gone with you. It just predicts the next word. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a far better way to describe what it does and at the end i found it interesting too that he says it's not it's not new thinking it might be have more power and be able to do more of what humans could do at a a higher fidelity in a more powerful way and more than an individual can do It really reminds me a little bit of powered flight it's an approximation of the way wings and and even though we ended up with fixed wing aircraft it's different to nature but it's an approximation of the way birds work and the way flight occurs, just Mm -hmm. in a a different way. And this like powered flight is a little bit more powerful as well. I thought Mm. that was a really great way to describe it because I don't think that language could be anything but a worldview. After I heard that, I know exactly what you meant, but before I heard it, I didn't really understand it,
1: Mm.
2: what what you were saying about how it builds a worldview. It's almost Mm -hmm. as though that idea of predicting the next word is by the by. It's almost not what it does.
0: Well, I think that is what it does, but in order to do that successfully as they've trained it, both in the pre-training stage and in the reinforcement stage,
2: Mm. in
0: order to train it to be able to do that effectively, it needs to develop somehow, as an emergent property, an accurate Mm. model of the world. Otherwise, it can't predict the next word correctly. It needs to understand how people think, how people act, how the world works, in order to be able to predict that word successfully. Anyway, it's um, it's really fascinating stuff, and I think Ilya's a, like I've listened to hours and hours and hours of him over the last couple of weeks. Talk, I find him really fascinating guy, an incredible brain, and um, you know, definitely somebody who's going to be for, for better or for worse shaping yeah. the world that we live in over the next few yeah. years. Just want to talk about uh, V, voice vision Dali 3 a little bit before we move on. Um, I've played around with Dali 3 a lot, the image generator in it. One of, the, one of the things that it can do that I've struggled with with mid-journey stable diffusion is hands. It can do hands, no problem. That's a big breakthrough. Initially, when I played with it, it could do words pretty effectively too. But more recently, I've really found that it's struggling with words, again, for some reason. What do you mean
2: by struggling with words?
0: If you ask it to create an image with certain text in the
2: image, it cannot get the text Oh, yes. Yeah, it's really bad at that. It's still really bad. It's even bad if you write the word in the image of what you want. So I'll give you an example. I, for my keynotes, wanted to get like a new header for my name when I go up there. Steve Samatino, and the prompt was something like, um, put the header Steve Samatino in neon pink with some futuristic-looking stuff on the background. And that looks cool. Um, and, and it, uh, and it couldn't spell my name at? right on some of them. Right. would spell it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it, it tends and to And I get, wrote it what? there. I'm like, this, yeah. this word, this here it is.
0: And you even ask what's it, the- what's the text I asked you to put in? It'll tell you in the chat box the correct text. But then it can't do it in the image. And it'll often with me, if I put a sentence in, like a, a phrase or something like that, it'll get most of the words right, but one or two will just be misspelled. Yeah. And I'll say, no, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. What's the text? Yep, that's the text. Do it again. Can't get it right. Anyway, have you seen the video of the guy doing the obvious thing, which I hadn't done, but he did? getting GPT voice on two phones to have a conversation with each
2: other? No, that's that's a fun idea. I have seen the infinite loop with, hey, Amazon, hey, Alexa, hey, Siri, hey, hey Google, hey, and he just goes around in circles for 12 hours. The thing I <laughs> love most about that is that someone recorded that for 12 hours and put it on YouTube.
0: <laughs> yeah, but the idea of having the AI talking to itself and having a conversation, it's a short video, it's limited, but that, You know, when you think about that for a minute, AIs talking to each other, having conversations, exploring the world together, you think, wow, that's, you know, that's a preview of what's to come.
2: It does, it is a preview of of what's to come. It's kind of like spy versus spy. Um, Some people say the internet, eventually, we exit the internet, and the internet becomes a place where only bots. And it's like an ether. If you can imagine, as like a a fog that, that lives above us and the AIs go up there and they do their AI stuff to sort out the things that we require in their AI world. And in some ways, the infrastructure of the internet kind of does that already where it it, it shares information and sends it back and forth. And mm. we're just sort of on the receiving end. Mm. And this idea of AIs dealing with AIs, yeah, you know, We see it with uh, high-speed trading uh, mm-hmm. algorithms versus algorithms in the share market. Mm. I feel like this is almost a natural kind of evolution of where this will go. And the idea of a two chatbots talking to each other on the phone is the shape of things to come. In social media, we already see it. it's you know, bot versus bot on who can get mm. the most likes. and so mm-hmm. And that even comes back to the idea of dead internet theory where X percent of the traffic on the internet it's not people. It's just bots talking to mm-hmm. bots. But mm-hmm. I, I think that there's a non-zero probability that we will exit the digital world other than having ambient and edge computing where we talk to it and put something into that world and, and, it, and it configures requirements and the bots sort of sort it out and then bring it back to us.
0: Mm. Yeah. like I, I think that's the inevitable end point for this stuff where we have agents that go off and do everything that we might want to do, and it just gives us the outcome that we want. Um, and speaking of that, Meta have released previews of their AI personas and assistants.
2: Yeah, that was really interesting. I, I love some of the commentary around the... Uh... What What is the soul worth? Well, apparently five million is the number. We've determined that now. What do you sell your soul for? A lot of celebs, uh, the Snoop Dogg laid down and got his five to, to get the Snoop up there. Uh, it well, was really, again, interesting, this idea of having proxies uh, serve us. I note in the, in the PR announcement or the media announcement it said, and soon they'll be available to you, for you. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting financial business and ethical questions around this, but it always felt like it was inevitable. Um, and I thought that the fake Drake thing was kind of the start of w- where might this go? And I think we might've spoken about that in one of the first uh, podcasts that we did, but who, who gets to own your bio footprint? Is that something that you hand Mitchell, over? Apparently. Yeah. Well, not mine. I mean- it's, 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 and people will do it and they'll do it for free.
0: So here's the uh, takeaway from Facebook's uh, or the Meta's press release, 27th of September. We're introducing Meta AI in Beta, an advanced conversational assistant that's available on WhatsApp, Messenger, and Instagram, and is coming to Ray-Ban Meta Smart Glasses and Quest 3. Meta AI can give you real-time information and generate photorealistic images from your text prompts in seconds to share with friends. Available in US only, so that's their version of ChatGPT. Then they say we're also launching 28 more AIs in beta with unique interests and personalities. Some are played by cultural icons and influencers, including Snoop Dogg, Tom Brady, Kendall Jenner, and Naomi Osaka. Now, I looked at this list of personalities that they have, and I think this is a sign of my age, Steve. I recognized like. <laughs> Three names on this list. Um, oh, uh, yeah.
2: I recognize not all of them. Half of them, yeah.
0: Snoop Dogg, yes. Uh, Paris Jenner.
2: Hilton. Yes. Roy Choi, the
0: chef I've heard of. The rest of them, well, Tom Brady, I think, is a sports guy in the US. Yeah, he's
2: a American footballer.
0: Sam Kerr is on there, bizarrely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mr. Beast I've heard of. Kendall Jenner, I have no idea who that is. I know that she's one of the Jenner clan but i apart from that yeah. i have no idea chris paul dwayne wade izzy adesanya uh lord diy i'm like who the f-
2: these people are getting paid knew, five million dollars
0: to have their personality taken and i don't even know who they are
2: that's how out of touch i must be with well the we, it's not that you're out of touch we don't have a shared narrative anymore right there are there are a couple of people that cross the chasm like mr beast who arguably is the world's biggest star you know 200 million subscribers you know Five times the size of Johnny Carson or whoever was the biggest guy in the world, you know, Seinfeld last episode, seventy million people, whatever it was. you know, he gets that every week, right? So uh, but we don't have shared narratives, right? We have wormholes, and there'll be a few that become global superstars on on tech platforms, and you know that, that's like the you know Jake Paul and Mr. Beast and these kind of people and the the Jenners and the Kardashians, but but largely, we go into our own wormholes, and I don't think it's an out-of-date thing. I think the world is so big and so globalized now, you can have what we call global niches. And so, on the flip and side, you've built, you're, you're, I've built you're a wellness. business
0: model out of global niches.
2: Yeah, exactly, global niches, right? Because in Australia, a niche you can't you can't f- make a living out of it. You know, in America, it's like our biggest market it could be a five or ten percent niche hmm. in the U.S. or a global market, but. You're really well versed on who's running the technology that's changing the world. You're, you're telling me about um, Ilya Sutskever. Is that it Sutskever today? Sutskeva. I didn't know I didn't know about him, right? And so it's really interesting that we don't be hard on ourselves on who we know. And I used to try and keep up, too, with a whole lot of things going way back on tech and everything. It's like, I don't need to know, because what I'll do now is I'll just ask someone that does know or ask the AI when I do need to know, because I don't want to fill up my human filing cabinet with inco- inconsequential shit that I've got to carry around with me trying to remember it's everything. The,
0: it's the Henry Ford defense.
2: It's, it's know, exactly. It's the same thing It's knowing where to look or who to ask. You don't need to mm-hmm. carry it now. Mm-hmm.
0: So for people who haven't seen these things, basically they've taken the personalities of these influencers and celebrities and they're building AI personalities and avatars around them that you can have conversations with. They're playing other people, though, like Snoop Dogg is Dungeon Master. Choose your own adventure with the Dungeon Master. Mr. Beast is Zack, the big brother who will roast you because he cares. Paris Hilton is Amber, detective partner for solving who whodunits. So they're basically entertainers. They're actors yeah. who are meta-licensing their image, creating AI avatar characters that they're then playing. But it's... um. It's a it's a you know
2: bizarre development that I think is going to be huge. Here's what's going this is going to be so so big. I I, um, presented this week, and they asked me some of the things that'll be where tomorrow's jobs. I said, well, you can imagine there's going to be an app store for AIs, but there's going to be bio bio AIs. So you'll be able to download Cam Riley and have a conversation with Cam Riley, and Cam Riley becomes your mate. I mean if we had parasocial relationships which is what the entire idea of of television was based on you you buy dog food from whoever is you know got their dog on tv or buy this car because you feel like you have a relationship with johnny carson or whoever the celebrity of the day is that parasocial thing because you apparently your, your frontal cortex can't tell the difference between an inferred one-way relationship and a two-way relationship well, we're going to go into a really deep wormhole where people's best friends are celebrities that they've never met, that they have deep, intimate relationships with. Mm. And you'll be able to download you know, the Mr. Beast API and just chat with Mr. Beast whenever you want. Phone mm. conversations, driving in the car. It won't be mm-hmm. a podcast with Mr. Beast. It'll be, mm. I had a half hour chat with Mr. Beast today when I was mm. driving to work, mm. or I was mm. talking to Kim Kardashian about mm. fashion and, and what have you, and they'll be getting a licensing fee for that. And mm. if you've got a micro following you might be able to chat with some of your fans from you know the uh the Julius Caesar podcast or 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 um the historians and just go deep on history and they're mm. chatting with Cam Riley because you've got mm. enough deep content to do it. And mm. it points to one thing. If you haven't done it yet the deeper you can publish your content the bigger chance you've got for revenue later when you can have the AI proxy of yourself in whatever you know biological format that evolves into. Assuming that people
0: care about talking to you as a personality and that well, just... you, you,
2: you, you not Well, again, you, you might be able to do it at a global niche, right? Mm. Um, but uh, well, the you AI just show just no absorb, one.
0: But the AIs just absorb all of your information and push it back out as a completely different personality. Well,
2: no, but wait a minute. But you might be able to say, this is what I know and add this database to my knowledge bank so that I know more than that. So if you can build a big enough brand, you could then plug it in and say, well, people love me as a person. And now if you're a physicist, I can talk physics with you because I just download all the physics stuff and it sounds and looks like you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just got to open your imagination. The other thing though, is that it's real sad. You, You could get busy parents who aren't spending enough time with their kids and outsourcing their parenting. Uh, to an AI version of themselves, which, hey, we've seen that before when it comes to cooking and cleaning and looking after children. So I would expect that that would happen.
0: My parents outsourced my um, development
2: to Doctor Who, the goodies,
0: and Monkey and Kenny Everett,
2: man. And, and 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 nothing went wrong. Look what we have here today with Cam Riley.
0: <laughs> Speaking of people licensing stuff out, uh, the writer's strike got resolved in the last week or so. And I read through the uh, agreement, particularly paying interest to the terms around AI, because as I said on the show a while back, I think this is going to go down in history as one of the first collective bargaining agreements that invoke artificial intelligence and try and protect uh, an industry and a sector against AI taking their jobs. And I thought their terms were. Like it was an effort there, but it was pretty weak and pretty stupid. Um, there was some effort to try and write some legal language that says anything written by an AI won't be considered as source material. If writers uh, are being asked to use a script prepared by AI, they have to be paid a full fee, uh, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But it just seems like it's really easy to get around. It says, the new agreement affirms that AI is not considered a writer. Anything it generates can't be considered literary assigned or source material. It does leave room for writers to use artificial intelligence as a tool, provided the production company consents. But writers can't be compelled to use AI to create material, and the company must disclose if they give a writer AI-generated material to work with. When it comes to using writers' work to train AI models, it gets a little more complex. The agreement essentially acknowledges the uncertainty surrounding the current legal landscape and reserves the right of writers to assert that training AI using their writing is prohibited. Now, here's how I think it will play out relatively quickly. You will have production companies that use AI. They tra- First of all, they train AI on... Every Academy Award nominated script in the last 70 years to develop a model for how Academy Award winning scripts sound, Mm. you know, what the structure is, how the dialogue is written, all of that kind of stuff. Then they hire no name, Johnny Nobody writers, kids off the street Mm. who aren't members of the WGA and who, you know, want to get paid some money. Listen, kid, come here. We'll pay you $50,000, $10,000 to say that you wrote this script. And we then go turn it into a film. Maybe we'll give you points on the upside. Maybe we'll, you know, sweeten it for you in some way, shape, or form. And the WGA, you know, if they try and sue them, they'll just say, well, prove it. Prove that we used AI to write this script. How are you going to prove that? Well, How are you going to prove that we trained our AI on seventy years worth of Academy Award
2: the, nominated the WGA scripts? WGA yeah? is only relevant if you're using any of their people inside it, and you can just circumvent them entirely. It's just, it's just irrelevant. You can just circumvent them, and I, I you, yeah, you came to a point. I mean, they have
0: things in place. The they have agreements with production companies. To say that they will only hire WGA writers, but that doesn't start stop a
2: brand new company coming That's out and, exactly, and or a subsidiary of an stuff. existing company yeah, because it deals yeah, with yeah. it's with you know whoever yeah it deals yeah. with DreamWorks, but this is this is DreamWorks X, it's a different company, so yeah. you know different procedure. So congrats.
0: Yeah, yeah I think that'll be Elon Musk's uh, uh, film company, DreamWorks X. Well,
2: I, I just don't see how. This is possible. They've got a classic supply and demand problem. They've got way too many riders who want to do it. You've got automation. Look, it's just, this is just unwinnable. And most riders
0: you know, never make a living out of riding. Most members of the WGA don't Hands make enough. a living from writing. No, they don't. Exactly. So, a production company comes along and says, we'll pay you, you know, money to put your name
2: on something and say you wrote it. There you go. You can do it. Yeah. I yes. I think that it's it's this is just it's just wrapping paper and none of it has any real consequence. Uh AI will find leaks, it'll go around it. You'll put people's name, you'll give people money who aren't making money. You're going to use the tool. It's like just saying, "Look, we've discovered electricity, don't use it." It's just just not going to happen. Now, of hey, course,
0: Hey Steve, um you you run a uh, movie studio. I've got this great script that a a young guy in China just wrote. Uh, here it is. We bought the rights to it um, for fifty thousand dollars. He's I don't know. He's somewhere in China. I don't know, but we've got the rights to it. And you want to make it? it? It's going to make it's going to make you know a billion dollars at the box office. And uh, we we got it for ten thousand bucks. Do you want to make it? Who's the writer? Some guy in China. I don't know, man. It doesn't say,
2: though, that they're not allowed to use AI on its own. They're they're allowed to use it, but they're not allowed to call it a
0: literary creation if it's written by AI, and you can prove that.
2: Uh, Right, a literary creation. The only thing that they care about. Is the creation of dollars at the box office or at Netflix or wherever they do it? Literary schmitterary. no one cares, mate. Oh, I reckon the Academy Awards are a bit of a hoax anyway. I don't yeah. know how much people really care about that anyway. yeah, by the way, just probably- while I'm on the Academy Awards, the fact that they don't have a best comedy is insane. Mm. Yeah. All
0: right, agreed now, you got a hard uh you got a hard end in eight minutes, Steve. what do you want to talk about?
2: What do you want to wrap up with? Well, the double dive, yeah you know, I just you know, the deep dive, the double D, I, uh, everyone's an expert again, right? Whenever tech gets good, it democratizes the process, right? As soon as you get a car, you're a race car driver, right? As soon as you get TV in your lounge room, everyone, everyone is an actor. I could be an actor. I could do that. I could do that. Yeah, you know, when the internet comes out and we get on social media, I'm, I'm a social media expert. And we've got that there again uh, now with AI, one of the things that I've just noticed on LinkedIn because it's the world that, that I live in, everyone's an AI expert now. Um, everyone is talking. It's like AI. I saw the funniest video ever that someone sent me where it had a guy walk onto stage. It's obviously, some sort of a comedy skit. And he walks on stage at a big conference and he said, AI. And then everyone clapped and he just walked off stage. <laughs> so I yeah. think um, one of the things that's super interesting is that when a technology truly arrives and it becomes a moment everyone be- everyone becomes an expert in that thing and they start using it and i think that's generally good i think that's kind of what levels up the world is that something isn't complex and limited to the fortunate few or the educated few that have access to that wizardry and we're sort of lit- looking on the outside the fact that we're talking about you coding in Python and getting some scripts done, and I'm going to do some more of that. This is, I think this is really good. And I don't think there's been much of that lately. I just hope that some of the revenue that gets associated with these new streams, because streams are going to dry up like writers, and there's going to be new revenue streams like bio APIs or your likeness. I just hope that enough of that, that liquid, you know, that liquid, that cash flows into people's hands because we've, Entered a moment in time where everyone can do it and use it, but I do hope that it democratizes to the point where we share in the upside. But I've got something in my futurist forecast for that that we'll come back to. So that's my double deep dive. You know, it's arrived when everyone's an expert,
0: mm. and that's a good time to launch futuristic consulting. If you uh, need people to help you navigate the world of AI, call Cam and Steve. We'll come and we'll come and set you straight. We'll teach your teams. How to get the there most Renaissance people?
2: Yeah, understand the vagaries and the revenue streams. The tech is the easy bit.
0: I've made a I've made a career out of being one month ahead of everybody else.
2: <laughs> Chapter two of the one, of the teacher's handbook.
0: Yeah, just one month ahead. I knew what HTTP meant and HTML was before most people did. TCP IP, podcasting. Just got to be one month ahead of everybody else. That's where you need In to In fact,
2: when I do keynotes, I've found if I go more than maybe one or two or three years ahead, it's just, yeah. it's just all, you might as well be watching a science fiction movie. Yeah. Now, even if the trajectory of that is quite predictable, and it often is with where technology will go, mm. um, they don't want to hear it because they can't use it the moment they leave the room. That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, I had a conversation with my niece from Utah when she was here last week about Neuralink. In your brain. I was talking about, well, where it's going to get to is we'll have AI, a chip in our brain that just connects us with AI. And she said, oh, I'd never do that. And I pointed out that, well, maybe not, but I've been around long enough to remember when people said, I'll
2: never own a mobile phone because I don't want people to be able to- I was to one one of them, to- I think. Were you? Yeah. Early- I was like, oh, I don't really need it. I don't want to be hassled. Exactly. Early 90s,
0: I had a mobile phone and people would say, I'll never get one. I said, why not? I don't want people to be able to contact me 24 seven. I'd say, you know, it's got an off button, right? You can turn it off. Oh, I guess so. I was around when people said I'd never use the internet. I was around when people said to me, this company will never need email because we have perfectly good phones on every desk. I was around when people said, I'll never put my credit card on a website into a website because of security concerns. I've heard it all. I've heard it all over 30 years of playing around with technology. And here's how I think it will play out. Early adopters will get chipped, as they always do. There are always early adopters that are willing to take the risks to play with the new tech and get an advantage. There'll be some setbacks, but then those setbacks will be figured out. And the people that are the early adopters will have an enormous competitive advantage in the marketplace. If you have AI in your brain, you're going to be able to do shit that regular humans, normies, won't be able to do. Others mm. will be forced to follow because of the competitive you know, disadvantage that they're at. You won't be able to get or keep your job unless you are chipped. Very, very soon into this whole Well, thing. tell me
2: about that. Wait, you won't be able to get or keep your job unless you're chipped. You're talking about unless you're enhanced, an enhanced human.
0: Enhanced, yeah. Unless you have the AI in your brain, why am I going to handle somebody? It's like hiring somebody that's illiterate today or somebody who says, oh, I have religious objections. I, I don't use yeah, a telephone. Has- I mean, yep. uh, you're just not going to hire those people. I mean, they're, they're basically illiterate. If you don't have the internet, inside of your head you're not going to be able sorry the AI inside your head you're not going to be able to perform the functions that you're required to perform it'll be written in the job spec must must be chipped uh, to get this job and there will be some people no doubt that will be Luddites and people who don't know the history forget that the Luddites were originally objecting against new technology that was taking away their jobs of you know, basically, uh, knitting machines were coming along. the industrial revolution was introducing knitting machines um, Ludd put together the movement to try and stop the introduction of new technology that was going to put all these people these knitters out of jobs uh, uh, it didn't really work right it, it slowed things down maybe briefly they smashed machines and torched buildings yeah. and but it didn't work. You can't stop this kind of technological trend so Anyone who says, I'd never get a chip in my brain. Well, if you don't, somebody else will, and good luck with
2: that. I think, yeah, if, if they work or if they're not that, I mean, I, I absolutely would. If I could enhance my cognitive ability, I mean, we're already doing it, right? And if I could do it more conveniently, then I think I, I, think I would. I think I definitely would, actually. The only concern I have is safety. Yeah, that'll be working what if you, out. Would you have an off switch? Hey, guys, I'm running. Orga- Listen, guys, if I'm a bit slow over dinner, I'm just running organic tonight. <laughs> All right, you could have organic. And when you go to meet someone on a dating, you could have a new dating website, which is a dating app, which is organics only. So you've got to turn off so you can come in organic. You know, but if you have upgrades, then, and I think there's been a number of science fictions where science fiction films and books. Where people who have more money get the better upgrades. And so it just further ensconces, you know, the economic advantage of some where AI doesn't democratize, but sort of delineates. That's a possible outcome too. Yeah. Got time to do another segment or do you got to run? Yeah, no, I can do it real quick. Well, the other one, just the futurist forecast. I, I mean, I think that the complexity of the AI marketplace, it's so big and varied now, 7,000 more than 7,000 new tools this month again, and every month it seems it's actually getting leveled out at around about 7,000. It was 3,000, 4,000, but then the last three months has been about 7,000 new tools. It's one of the weird things I look at for some reason, but it's really confusing. And we talked about the idea of keeping up is really hard at the moment and no one can. That was really evident um, this week when I was out and about. In fact, just really quickly I was in uh, Griffith this week doing a talk in country New South Wales and I did some work with guys who run IoT irrigation systems mm-hmm. and I met with some business people there who are incredibly advanced on technology and edge computing and a whole lot of stuff because as you know, agriculture is actually quite technical business. Um, but then I was in a room with 300 people and only two of them had used ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. Really, I fell off my chair because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, that's... And and we've ta- often talked about cities versus country areas. I mean, the divide is, is it's kind of there a little bit. I think it's real. I think the, the voice referendum drove that home, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, but I think that we're going to end up really quickly to a few big tech players in AI. It looks like it might be the same ones, maybe plus one or two. Maybe it's OpenAI and a couple of other companies. I don't know. But it seems like, especially with the integration of ChatGPT now having visuals with Dali and going back and forth where voice, visual, LLMs are all starting to be integrated. Cause there was a lot of different social media forums as well, blogging different things in little paces when that first came out. And then they all just like got sucked up into, you know, the oligopoly of big tech. And like Dr. O says, Corey Dr. O said, the internet became five giant websites with screenshots of the other four, or as whoever he stole that off. I think we mentioned that last time. But I think that we're going to see the complexity of AI really get sucked into the AIs becoming more general and not like LLMs and not images. And I, I think like where ChatGPT is going is where we'll see all of the others. It seems to be like, and happening really quick, like we're only like, nine months in and, and yeah. they're already coming into that one location.
0: I actually would argue for the opposite of this because what I think we will have, like the problem that we had with the internet, uh, 1.0 and even 2.0, was I have a limited amount of attention, a li- limited amount of time in the day that I can research stuff that I want and l- have go through the learning curve of using a new platform or a new tool. But when I have an AI assistant that's doing all of my research for me, I I can tell it, keep an eye out for the new tools. Look, there's 7,000 new AI tools hitting the market every month. You know what I'm interested in. You know the sort of things that I do every day. If you see a tool that you think that could help me be more productive or happier or whatever, bring it to my attention. It's mm. my research assistant now that will do all that. it doesn't matter who it is or where it is like only show me only show me new tools that have got a four and a half star user review rating on independent user review sites that haven't been AI botted and uh, you know just go and do all yeah. of that work for me. I don't need these things to be aggregated in four or five sites when I have an AI assistant that's
2: doing all the research
0: for me. It is my aggregator, not
2: facebook or i mean i hope you're right i actually would love there to be global niches for for the different tools that you might need uh i mean for me i'm really interested in video and conversion to video and uh, language taking my work into different formats where i do one format and it creates the other four different types of formats for me and i know there's a lot of those out there now none of them are really at the level that i like but I love that idea of using AI to keep the market open and wide, like what the early bloggers fear was before, before you got to a point, well, you can blog, but it's really, really hard to have your own audience. I mean, it's still there and we've still got that and you and I do that and some blogs I read are independent, but I hope that you're right. But I get a sense that just the simplicity of going to one place and just accepting that. But
0: um, your, your AI is the one place is my point.
2: Your AI assistant, right. that that you'll get locked in with that. Because well, it could if you have one giant website, then who is it? Is it Apple or is it OpenAI or is it Microsoft or
0: like I hope, you know, uh, as an Apple fanboy, I hope Apple starts to play in this space. But it will be right now for me it's ChatGPT GPT and my loyalty yep, is there. Me too. But mm. you know, I'll have a relationship with my AI personal assistant. And it will do everything else for me. And that loyalty might get locked in if it's OpenAI or if it's Apple, whatever. That might be hard to um, get me out of that relationship because it'll know so much about me. If it's been my assistant for a year or two, it's going to understand me better than even I understand myself. That Mm. may be difficult to quickly replicate. There may be you know um hurdles for me to migrate from one to another although i should be able to tell my new ai talk to my old ai and find out everything that it knows about me whether or not it's pre- prepared to export its knowledge base about you or not depends on how much interoperability there is but i think it then will be the interface for me with the rest of the world it doesn't matter where what little small dark corner of the internet something that's important to me resides on it will know about it and bring it to my attention. I have a bunch of filters that it'll be working with and anything that gets through those filters, it will bring to my attention. It's my dream anyway, Steve.
2: Well, that's what it's all about in Futuristic. It's dream time.
0: And after the failure of the voice referendum and Israel-Gaza and Russia-Ukraine, I'm saying, I think the human race is done now. Let's bring on the AI overlords as quickly as possible. And on that note. Talk to you next time, buddy. See you, mate. Happy AI, everybody.